I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for Bastille Day, stage 13 of the Tour de France, the 14th of July from Châtillon to Chalaron to Grand Colombier. This climb is won by former enemy device uh, Halland Johansson in Tour de l'Avenir before. It was in the Tour de France 2020 where Pagacha beat Roglic in an uphill sprint where Jumbo Visma controlled the entire day with their team and Pagacha won that stage and took time again. And today we have a whopper kilo test. 137 Ks flat for the first 80 and then they do a little 8K 5% warm-up climb, a, a false flat plateau for another 9Ks, then a pretty fast descent not very technical you just smash it and then a 10k flat valley before 17.8 kilometers up from colombia as i said yesterday usually you can get pretty high watt per kilo here because it starts from very low altitude the only problem is the irregularity of the climb uh with the first six kilometers being quite difficult three kilometers of those average over nine percent and one at nine and then it flattens off and then there's another three k's at nine and a half percent but then the final if you make it to the final 5Ks as a breakaway, you're in with a chance because there's 3Ks at 444% in a row. And then it's actually the last 700 meters is the only one that kicks up 9.5%, real, a real punch in the last 700, 700 meters. So not a climb you expect big, big GC gaps. There were gaps, but not big ones in 2020. And with how easy this stage was before, we wouldn't be expecting big gaps, Benji. But breakaway formation, to borrow... Let's borrow, let's shamelessly steal a little bit from the breakaway on the GCN Plus coverage where they do the in the bus with the team. You're the UAE team director this morning. What's like your key principles for breakaway formation, assuming you want to go for the stage with Pagacha? Basically said so yesterday. So the goal is to have a smaller breakaway ahead, not a, a 20 man breakaway, not a 30 man breakaway, one that you can control with a limited amount of riders on the flat. It's not the longest stage to control. So, how do you do that? You're going to have groups trying to get away initially. So either three or four riders will try and go up the road. That break alone will not stick. It needs more riders. But if a group of 10 starts jumping, then what you need to do is you've got a rider here or there in your team, a Trenton, a Langen, those type of riders, a Bietic, for example, they kind of need to smoothly chain the groups, the larger groups that are trying to push to the front back to the peloton so that those groups don't get away, right? It happens smoothly because last year, I swear there were moments where a Yumbo domestique was trying to control the breakaway by jumping to a larger group that was bridging. And that's when it doesn't work. That's when that group gets a gap again on the peloton. Those gaps need to be smoothly closed. And that's where the key lies, right? And you need multiple riders. You cannot yeah. have one rider controlling Correct. 120 guys jumping. It is impossible. And that's what I saw initially. The flag drops. And listen, UAE... Letting brake formation continue, continue, continue is also good because then they're in the wheels. It just keeps kicking off. It never forms and gets a gap. That's fine. And that was actually happening for a bit. And then their rider who was at the front, I'm not sure who it was, maybe Trentin, 
Um, I was I was at lunch. I'll be honest. I was watching on my phone. I was working. Hey, hey! I had the phone propped up on the on the sparkling water bottle. Traitor. No alcohol. No alcohol. Um, let it be known. And <laughs> so I couldn't see which UAE rider was was on my phone looking. Um, but they had one. And then suddenly that rider disappears, Benji. And it's complete. They're just letting like there's a group, right? There's a group of I don't know eight or ten. I'm yep. like, okay, you you got to block this up. you got to be on any other move jumping. And another group of eight jumps. And they're just looking like, okay. And I was <laughs> like, really? And, and then I thought, okay, they just decided this is too much of an investment to go, like, too many people want to be in this break, too many teams, too many strong rulers. They're going to give it up because the break forms, and we'll get to who's in that in a second. The gap goes to one minute, one twenty. Twenty riders. Well, yeah, twenty rider group forms, and UA don't start pacing at all. And I'm like, oh, they've just decided it's impossible to bring back, which is kind of true. And then they start pacing full at one thirty. I was like, and like I'm talking absolutely flat out peloton in a line. And I was like, and listen, yeah, this is why they should have got tried to get Stefan Kung. This is why they're rumored to get Niels Pollitt because. Mikael Björk is actually very, very good on an 8K 5% climb. He's yeah. very good at that. Break formation, he really struggles. Trenton's quite good, but, you know, Langen also don't have the, the, the horsepower. He's like a steady-state guy. So, yeah, it's, and who was in that break, Benji? And, it, like, it was a strong break, not with climbers, but just the rulers and also the teammate composition. This was a tug buddy extraordinaire breakaway. Yes, exactly. For example, Shaw had a tug buddy, Betiol, at EF. We had Bashar in there, Kwiatkowski, Lone Riders, Asgren, Steuven. We had the likes of Oliveira, Uhl, Mozzato, and Cornwit. Well, being the tug buddy once again for Van Gils. Case Ball as tug buddy for Tejada. We had Charmik and Latour. And also some other duos, Mohoric and Ryan. So it's kind of a situation where they're kind of both the tug buddy of the other tug buddy. And... I think they forgot their climber somewhere on route, unless they expected Mohoric to climb exactly at the strength that he was on Quidditch um, for example. And then you've got the team of Entomache with two Chuck buddies, Petit and Turnison for Zimmerman. So Chuck Buddy galore, as you say. So a rider that tries to get a climber in the breakaway, if you haven't heard that term, coined right here at LRCP. <laughs> but uh, that breakaway of 20, the gap was pretty stable at the start. I know. 120, 130, I was like, Langen's keeping this under control for now. I was like, I was shocked because I was expecting this gap to extend quite a bit initially. But you also need to keep in mind that the riders in the breakaway probably know, okay, so UAE, their psychology is let's try and keep the gap stable. Yep. What if we just force them to keep it stable the entire time and then go hard before, like, in the last 50 kilometers before Grand Colombier? The breakaway today played it so smart. Uh, it's actually really, really incredible what they did today. So UAE, and also I may not understand how big a meter is, but I do understand <laughs> some mathematical principles. And 20 strong riders, three or four of which have a really strong ruler teammate, like Bertiol for sure, as you said, like the two Intermarche boys, like Wright for Morich, really strong rulers. Mm -hmm. When I saw the gap at 130, I'm like, the break is playing. There is no way, no way Steker Langen on his own can hold those guys stable. It's not possible, and they are finessing. And so UAE are basically killing themselves to hold it at 130. The break is 
they're, everyone's rolling through, and there was bowl for Tejada as well, so like multiple tuggers. And they get to the first, the climb up to the intermediate sprint. Also, the brake formation, by the way, Philipson and Pedersen, that is a real thing. Philipson was always trying to close Pedersen down. He got him out of the breakaway today. Just a side note, little little anecdote for you. Um, they get to the climb. Bjerg mashes the climb, brings it down. It got up to 2.30 before the climb, goes down to two minutes. And it's looking rosy for UAE because I was thinking, whilst this break has some really good rulers in it, the quality of climbing is not the best. It doesn't have yeah. Pino, it doesn't have Chavez, it doesn't have Rubio, it doesn't have uh, Felix Gull in it, it doesn't have, you know, who are anyone I would class as a top 25, 30 climber in the world. It does have some solid long climbers like Fiatkowski, like Van Hills, like Tejada, like Shaw. These were the favorites from from the group in terms of climbers, and many of them had teammates. One question. So we know that the coming two days is very hard, so this might be the answer to my question, for example, but in a stage like this, is there a way that Ayumbo Visma can force make it harder for UAE by, for example, what if they put Wildfanat in the breakaway today in those 20 riders? It's 21 riders. They're obviously spending energy with Wild, but he spent energy every single day so far, so it's not like he doesn't have an infinite bowl of energy at this point. But no, I did, I did think about that last night, and, and you know, you can get Laporte, it'd be more Laporte or Van Hoydonk you get in mm -hmm. um, to just, you know, tug the brake. I guess the reason against that is, and as we saw, UA are very reactive on Yumbo, jumping in the yep. breakaway. And so if you want brake formation to form quickly and get a big gap, you, you, you can... What's the trade-off there? If you yeah. if you jump with Van Hoy, don't UAE shut it. Break formation takes longer, and so in the end, you know Yumbo didn't really jump in. So, but that is a, I also think that's a valid defensive tactic if you want to make sure the bonies are gone. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if you. I think UAE would have been more likely to jump on a on on the move from from those guys, particularly Van Art. So to be clear, UAE started the stage to kind of summarize it. With the goal of winning the stage and take bonus seconds on Vingegaard that way by and maybe a getting little fast gap. place. Yeah, maybe a little gap. Maybe Pogacar is able to drop Vingegaard again towards the end and they get extra seconds that way. Yeah. That was their goal initially before the stage starts. When that 20 man breakaway forms, I feel like they've kind of thrown a stick into their wheel when it comes to winning the stage, but that doesn't mean they can't gain anything anymore because obviously. It depends on how many riders get over the line before your rider goes over the line, because eh? the first three riders get bonus seconds. But we're getting towards the Grand Colombier now, and there's, there's quite a few things that happened before the Grand Colombier, for example, about Pierre Latour for a second. Yeah, it's, it's hard to criticize riders for not descending at a high speed and not daring to go all out after what happened, for example, with Mater. And I know that Latour has, has struggled with this quite a bit. I swear that he... He's gone to his sport psychologist and it seems that it re-triggers every single time. So on one end, I'm like, oh, fuck man, losing 45 seconds in the span of one descent. It's terrible for you as a rider because you're just, you're just, you just got a major Achilles heel in winning from the breakaway. Yeah. In any stage it has any descent, but I also can't blame him because he's looked after it and it's not working, you know? I know, and he, he's tried things, and it's just, I think also, so what happened was, as I said, Bjerg brings it down to two minutes, looking good for UAE, right? They, two minutes is not a big enough gap. The breakaway then, and maybe this is what caught Latour napping, absolutely, that they shed 
Petit, they shed like the the real rulers. Well. It goes down to ten guys. Yeah, the the bigger guys get shed on that five percent climb. The breakaway absolutely whacks it with the tug buddies. Like Turnison and Betiol just whack this descent <laughs> so hard. And Trenton's fucked. He's been pulling all day against twenty guys along with Stekelang and Bjerg. And the gap goes from two minutes to near to four minutes before the base of Grand Colombier, where two minutes, not nearly enough, four minutes. I still thought UAE could close it, but now the break is, is literally 50-50. Now, three minutes, they're not going to make it. I didn't think, and I couldn't. The breakaway just played it perfectly, Benji. They lured, first of all, it, as you said, it was way too big at the start, but then they lulled UAE in and then just whacked the last bit using the tug buddies like that. And yeah, unbelievably good. And they get to the base about three... They do lose 20, 30 seconds in the run-in because Ineos, Yumbo yeah. start to, to position, etc. But what did you think of the base? I still thought UAE could I still thought UAE would close it. I thought so as well, because the four minutes had gone down to three minutes thirty. So maximize was was four minutes gap, then it went to three thirty by the bottom because of positioning, like you mentioned. And at that point you're thinking, okay, it's a 16, 17 kilometer climb, pretty long climb. The hardest part is somewhere in the middle of the climb. The last portion kind of levels out a bit towards the finish line. That's why it was expected to be a, a bit of a sprint between the biggest men in the last kilometer. And you see that UAE just keeps on going because they have to, eh? They have to keep on going from this point. And I gotta like give some credit to these riders though. Because when it comes to Trenton and Bjerg, they're done here at the bottom. Langen takes over. And I feel like Langen's often been memed as like the that one dude. It's it's like that meme where you've got like the army men and then one clan in between. And I feel like Langen is often memed as that clown between the army men, but I honestly feel like everything they're throwing at him when it comes to the work he needs to do, controlling the breakaway in some sense and form, he's doing. Like, he's doing it arguably better than Trenton, as in controlling the gap to the breakaway. The breakaway formation phase, whole other story. The entire team can't do that. So don't you agree that he's underrated? I mean... He was losing time, though. This yeah, is a, but... You know, Langen, I mean, no, I agree. Like, you, a workhorse... Like, De Klerk gets... De Klerk is good. De Klerk gets a lot of praise. Langen gets, like, none. No one... Yeah. Like, who's that guy on UAE? They need to replace him with an actual good ruler. I mean, I have been saying that. Oh, but... They could... With the money that team has, they could upgrade him. But yeah. he is still good. And he still does his work... Thank, his thankless work day in, day out. He's pretty much always there. So yeah, you know, he did a good job today, but it was curious. So basically Pacher and the, from the breakaway attacks Bastille Day, one French rider left in the breakaway. He's like, I have to attack straight away and, and drop myself um, <laughs> on the climb. <laughs> Probably could have sat in a little bit longer maybe, but you know, whatever. Um, it would have been, the adrenaline, I, I would do exactly the same thing. I would do exactly the same thing. If I was in Australia on a climb on, you know, a big day on Herald Sun Tour, base of the climb, bang. <laughs> and drop myself so mate he does that 50 seconds 1500 watts you'd win i would get a decent gap at that pace but then you know <laughs> red line and so a group forms tehara shaw van hills they were the three favorites i had from the breakaway i thought they were the three best climbers van hills crashed earlier but he's been classed this year so far tehara's also been a bit of a sleeper shaw i had is actually my best guy from the break and kriakowski's dropped or is he He's, he did this the other day on Coltere. Yep. He's running to his power meter. Pacher's attacked. The other three have gone too quick. Kwiatkowski's off camera. 
And he's just looking down and like, you lads, you're going way too hard. This is a 50-minute climb. We're minute two in, and he's just chugging away. Whereas back Benji, and, and this is, that's what happens for a long time. That's the three groups in the breakaway. Forget everybody else. UAE, I was surprised how long Langen pulled. Uh, the gap was at 350 for a long time, and it was not below 330 for a long time. And these are the hardest, these are some of the hardest Ks. As I said, there's four kilometers here, 9% or over in the first seven Ks. And so I was thinking, Benji, when is it Solaire and Groschart in a time? Yeah. Because you can't, I know Shore is not like, I know these aren't, as I said, Chavez or Pino, but they're still really good climbers and they're pretty fresh. Like it's not been that hard. When are they going to get moving? And they kind of never, for me, all the UAE pools were too long. Okay. Throughout their train. I believe that's a, a good description of it because like you say, Lane takes over, but he's also been working for an entire day. Like yeah. he's doing that at the start, but Solaire kind of takes over with 14, 13 kilometers to go. So Lane had then climbed for three, four kilometers on the steeper parts of Grand Colombia at the start. So he's already washed before that, not in a terrible way, but like he, he's kind of done already. And then... When Solaire rides, it's for four or five kilometers until 10 kilometers to go, and Groschartner takes over. We do see limited riders with Yambo, so that's also the case, but I think that's both a combination of them having some riders that are tired from yesterday. Probably Benoit's pretty tired from yesterday, but a rider like Kelderman, for example, was gone pretty early as well, leaving Bambala and Kuss with Vingegaard as well. And um, I'm thinking that, personally, that Kelderman is probably saving for the next two days, which are harder days, while... The other climbers that drop, the other riders that drop, a Benoit and Fanad, that might be both a combination of saving with, oh, yesterday was fucked for us. So that's how I view those. What's your take on that? Uh, Benoit, Fanad, yeah, all, yeah, for sure. Kelderman, not sure. Kelderman maybe just didn't have it. Um, okay. He's good on Tourmalet, but mm, I would say if Van Bala's still there, it's probably, you'd expect Kelderman to still be there. So yeah, yeah maybe paying the price from break formation yesterday, but yeah. They're basically now in the breakaway, Kwiatkowski comes out of nowhere, comes back, goes past Pacher's court dropped, goes past the trio of Van Hills, Tejada, Shaw. I saw Van Hills and Tejada, uh, Van Hills and Shaw doing most of the work, but they didn't show them all the time. And Kwiatkowski just drops them straight away, and they go to thirty seconds, and he's yeah. he's motoring, putting time into them. Solaire, did you say Solaire came to the front? Yeah, so they came to the front at 15 to go, then Groschner took over at 10, and Groschner again took it up very long. It was until 6-5 kilometers to go, I swear, where Mike got took over. So I think UAE also got the order of their riders wrong. So this climb is irregular, as I said, and so you have... Uh, Soler did a pretty hard section, and, uh, and all the UAE pulls, they take 25 seconds out of the gap, and then stop. And then yeah, gap to Kwiatkowski, stables, stable. So Soler took it from 3.35 to 3.15, 3.10, stable. Groschartner to 2.45, stable. I think Micah should have pulled before Groschartner on the steeper section because if you let Kwiatkowski, who's a, a bit of a truck, he's a low-key trucker, if you let him get to the 4% kilometers, three of which there are, and he's pacing against Micah, who's not 60 kilos dripping wet, Micah even riding full is going to really struggle to close Kwiatkowski on 4%, whereas Groschartner is a bit heavier. 
And so I was really surprised at the order yeah, of their train. But I feel like they somewhat tried that. As in, I did see them switching Mike and Groschartner around between five and three kilometers to go. But, no, but Poggy was saying faster, right? Yep. And then they tried to swap and then Groschartner said no and kept pacing <laughs> when he was still steep. And then Micah did the first 4% Ks and, and he, Micah lost time to Kwiatkowski. It went from 2.10 to 2.20 and with 3Ks left, it's done. Kwiatkowski is not being caught in three kilometers, two of which are not very difficult. Okay, he's going to shed loads of time when Poggy bursts in the final, whatever, but two minutes 20, two minutes 25. And so it looked like UAE had paced for nothing at that point. Could they catch the remnants of the break of Van Hills to harder shore? We didn't know because we never, there was no real camera with them. And so let's, yeah, basically Kwiatkowski goes all the way, pace the climb brilliantly, and wins the stage, his second Tour de France stage in three years? Four might have been. 2020? In four it tours, was, yeah. Uh, the gravel stage where Pogacar and Rodrigo were, no, Pogacar and Roglic were fighting, yeah, yeah, where he crossed the line with Carapaz, right? Yeah, so Kwiatkowski, after winning Amstel last year, he's still racking up a big win each year, comes out of nowhere to smash the breakaway and to hold off the whole UAE mountain train. What looked like, you know, 80Ks into the stage was no chance for a breakaway win. Just unbelievable from Kwiatkowski, and yeah, just still, still got that class in him. You know, like, yes, is Kwiato as dominant in the classics or throughout the year as he was in the past. No, like his classics wasn't as good. But on his day, I'm still last year, Tour de France this year. And, and in Cotteret, he was super strong too. He's absolutely class. And yeah, one of my favorite riders. And I was super happy that he won the stage and played it brilliantly. Um, I don't know if he had a guy in a breakaway with him, but I think Turner, Turner abandoned the race. He didn't look, yep. he didn't look good. He had gastro issues. So he yeah. But, pardon? Caleb, you won as well? Yeah. That's no good for a lot of... But yeah, thoughts on Kwiatkowski, Benji. I mean, just he played it with his head too because it's, it's such a long climb. And also he clearly left a little bit left for the flatter section when he, was, when he gained against Micah. Yep, that's true. And I believe that when it comes to the, the final, we have Adam Yates, we've got Pogacar, we've got Kuss, we've got Vingegaard, while Micah is setting that pace on the, on the later section, roughly two, three kilometers to go. Roughly, yeah. I would say. And then Adam Yates attacks from behind Micah. Pogacar kind of blocks it. And Vingegaard does not respond to Adam Yates. And now it's where it gets interesting for me. Because Sepp Kuss responds. And that's, a, to put it in your terms, a paper tiger move, right? Because Kuss following Adam Yates has no threat at all to Adam Yates. No threat at all to Pogacar. Because Adam Yates is getting close from G. Because is 11th in GC. No, so, no, yeah, he's no. getting close. I see it the other way around. Really? UAE attacked with Adam Yates because they saw Jonas marking him yesterday. And they thought they could bait Jonas into marking, into chasing Yates. Exactly. And with Pagacha in the wheel. And so Jonas didn't chase him. No, the yeah. idea would be Kuz follows Yates with a gap. He sits on, Yates pulls him away, and Pagacha has to now ride with, Poggy, with Jonas in the wind. That's my point. That's what I'm yeah, saying. But, but Yates is the paper tiger. Kuss is not the paper tiger. Wait, no, no. The reason that I'm saying that Kuss is the paper... This is a great discussion. The reason that I believe Kuss is the, is the paper tiger is because UAE thinks Kuss is a danger because Pogacar then responds to Kuss. 
No, that's not because he thinks Kuz the danger. That's why just is he? he wants... Why is he closing down Kuz then? There's no value so there. So Yates either. can pace for him so they can win the stage. Ah, is it? They're not going to win the stage anyway. So they'll still and his bonies. They still have to pace for bonies. On agreed. So he just closes because he's like, well, what's the, what's it, the point? That that's kind of the response. Yeah. Then yeah, um, I get that. But yeah, I agree. That, why is Yates attacking? It must be because they thought saw something from yesterday, right? I don't see yeah. any other reason why. Maybe they tried to replicate what happened yesterday where Vingegaard responded to Adam Yates and yeah. then realized, okay, it didn't work. So let's just keep going what we're do- going. And then we see, obviously, I'm, I'm pro GC Gus, but from that point on, onwards, it was all about whether Pogacar was going to attack from that point or not. And Adam Yates kind of switched into a lead-out role, right? It was roughly... Yeah, but he, he wasn't gone that quick. Nah, but it, it wasn't enough to win the stage, obviously. No, no. It, but now we're thinking, is he going to catch the rest of the bonies? Yeah. Because who was ahead? To leave it out for the three more riders ahead? Yeah, three ahead. riders ahead. Tejada, Shaw, and Max Van, Van Hills. And so they need, they need to catch at least one of them or two of them to take the bonies uh, or some bonies. And yeah, the, the reason the Yates pace went a little bit easier, I, I believe, was because guys came back. Rodriguez came back. Simon Yates came back. Pidcock was looking really, really good. And it, yeah. Just had a little bit of a network connection lost. Oh, I think my network connection lost, Benji. Anyway, Peacock, he gapped some of the other... Oh, I thought he would gap some of the other guys. And yeah, Yates is basically going to turn this into... Well, UAE need to turn this into like a, a one-minute one smash. Because the last 700 meters, if you cast your mind back to 2020, Port gapped Miguel Angel, right? A little, and he actually took a few seconds from memory yep. on this finish. Uh, it is actually quite difficult at the end, and so that's what happened, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's to lead out. Poggy attacks. He just huge attack with Vingegaard initially in the wheel, but then just too much power up. You know, too much punch. Gaps Vingegaard. Um, and we're like, where's Tahada? They go past him. So where's Shaw? They go past him. So now we know that at least four seconds are in play. We see Maxim Van Hills there. They don't catch him. Van Hills finishes second. He takes the six. That actually means Poggy. This is the, the rules yeah. are so weird. <laughs> that actually means Pogaccio takes a bigger bonus second delta to Vingegaard than if they'd caught Van Hills. Yeah. Because if Van Hills came, if, if Poggy came second and Jonas third, there's a delta of two bonies. Now there's four left and none for Jonas. Makes no sense the way they've tiered it. Um, and yeah, Pogaccio takes four bonus seconds and gaps. Vingegaard by I think four seconds on the road. Yes, two. So whilst they didn't get the stage win, UAE got exactly the outcome they would have gotten if yep. they'd caught the breakaway at the base of Grand Colombier, which is so somewhat funny or curious. Yeah, it's curious, and it's partially because like while they fucked the initial breakaway formation phase, they still paced to try and get something out of it and thought, okay, we can still control this. On the climb, it got into a point where I was thinking, okay, they're not getting anything out of this, maybe seconds on the road, but the bonus seconds don't really look inside anymore. But the fact that, the fact is Pogacar is Pogacar, and he's able to make strategies that are on the brink of completely failing look good because he's strong enough to put them right in the end. And because Pogacar was strong enough to be able to catch those final breakaway riders with a 700 meter out of the saddle move that dropped Fingergaard on the road as well, that's why their strategy doesn't look dog shit today. Because Pogacar's good enough to make 
weaker tactics look good? I mean, yeah, the, the rulers and break management's a problem. Now, I haven't seen the climbing time, so listen, maybe as well, like you, you would be surprised how quickly the 50th or the 60th best climber in the world can climb fresh. So yeah. I may be sure is a little bit better than 50th, but maybe that is where he sort of is, or Kwiatkowski. Fresh, you would be surprised how quickly and the crazy what they can do. The difference between them and the quote-unquote pure climbers GC guys is repetition, and you know we'll see that tomorrow, and we'll talk about yeah. that stage. So yeah, like I, I think UAE probably did. I, I don't know wind direction either, maybe tailwind, don't know. But I think, I think it's a pretty hot pace they did. And I just think Kwiatkowski was incredibly strong to basically how much, what was the gap in the end? Kwiatkowski only lost three minutes on the climb there or thereabouts. So yeah, super impressive. And from the other guys too. Um, and from Maxim Van Hill's second in the Tour de France mountaintop finish is a really nice result. Yeah. Would you say that like on one end, Jumbo Visma's mountain team didn't look impressive today? But I've said it before on this podcast, I feel like half of their riders dropping was slightly on purpose because they want to save them for the coming days. And let's be honest about it. Fingergaard only needs Kuss if UAE does all the pacing on the climb anyway. Yeah. But when it comes to UAE, I expected more when it comes to chasing that break. When they were at the bottom with 3 minutes 30, I still thought they could still take the victory here. And am I then disappointed in... Soler, Aaron, Maika, and Groschartner. I don't know, maybe... But they've not been good on any stage. The thing is, Soler and Groschartner are medium mountain domestics. They're not I mean, Soler came third on a mountaintop finish in Catalonia. He yeah. did six point... Yeah, but it's a, also a fresh watts per kilo test. He did 6.6 .6 for 20. Exceptions to what he usually does, though. I don't know. Like, he has his peak level and he's not at that. I would say. And Groschartner and Micah, to me, doesn't look as good. I don't think. Micah last year was shredding groups. He, would play, he could shred groups. Um, Soler is Soler. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Yates but anyway, also, wasn't Yates kind of dropping at a point on the steeper bit? Like he went to the back. I didn't see it. I didn't see that. I he went to the you. back of the group at a certain point and then came back on the flatter section. And that was when Kwiatkowski gained time. So I don't know. Um, but in the end, GC wise, they get exactly the result they would have got anyway. So yep. it's not all for nothing. And they, by, by the way, the G, I should read out this, the actual gaps. There were some little gaps. So yeah, Van Hill second, Pogaccio takes third, four seconds ahead of Ingegaard, Pitcock third of the GC guys, 13 seconds behind Pogaccio, two seconds ahead of Hindley Shaw Tejada, who just got caught. Simon Yates. Uh, got gapped by 11 seconds by Pidcock. Adam Yates there. Rodriguez lost a bit of yeah. Rodriguez lost a bit of time in terms of losing more time. Godou lost proper time. Uh, he lost I don't know nearly a minute to Pog. So did Bilbao. So Bilbao's fifth is really not looking good. Bardet lost a lot of time. He got dropped early. Same as Landa. So in terms of GC, Vingegaard's gap to Pagacha is now less than a stage wins bonus seconds. Uh, it's nine seconds. Gap to third is growing. 251 to Hindley, but he extends his gap to fourth. So Hindley 251. Rodriguez 448 in fourth. He is 15 seconds ahead of Adam Yates, who despite pulling actually moves into fifth 
one second ahead of his brother, Simon Yates. Bilbao drops two positions into seventh. I dare say he'll lose more if Pidcock can stay good. He's on 525. Pidcock 10 seconds behind him on 535. Gadu stays actually in ninth on 652. GC Kuz is back, baby. He puts a lot of time into Thibaut Pino, the GC battle we were looking for today. That's why Kuz <laughs> attacked. New Pino was off the back. He's on 7-11, coming for you, David Gadu, <laughs> for that ninth spot. So, I mean, this is, what, this is what we, to be honest, exactly what we expected from this stage, Benji, except yep. it wasn't Poggy that won. Exactly. It was Poggy taking time on Vingegaard, which we expected from the bonus seconds. I am not surprised that he gaps Vingegaard no. in the last 700 meters, though, based on what we saw in Puy Dome with his longer move out of the saddle. I am slightly worried, though, for Jonas Vingegaard, even when it comes to the longer climbs, because, like, let's say, for example, tomorrow. Tomorrow's a big stage. It's one of the two stages I've got written down as these are GC mountain stages 100%. And it is because the parkour shows it. 151 kilometers, 152 actually, between Anamaz and morzine le porte du soleil And the first half is four medium mountains after each other. So, for example, 4.4k at 4.6%. So a bit of a run in one, then 7.1 kilometers at 7.4%, 5.9 at 7.7, and then 6.5 at 3.8. These are the breakaway formation climbs, eh? Let's 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 call them that for the sakes of the argument. They're the breakaway formation climbs. Then the two large climbs arrive. We've got Colaramas with roughly it tops with 50k to go, starts with roughly 70 to go, I would say. It's 13.9 kilometers at 6.9%. A descent, a valley of roughly 10 kilometers, 9 kilometers to Col de Jouplan, which is the final climb, 11.7 kilometers, 8.5%. Descent to the finish line with a little bit of a plateau on top, actually, and a one kilometer and a half roughly flat section before the finish line. I, um, I feel like this is the stage Yumbo has been saving domestiques for today. Because they're going to need it. I think we're going to see a satellite rider in the breakaway. Maybe a defensive satellite rider after today. As in, they will probably try and get a Wout in the breakaway to make sure that on Col de Jouplan, they've got a Wout for Vingegaard. If Vingegaard's attacks fail, because I do expect them to try and make a move here, then on the plateau on top and the descent, Fanat can also still be there. Even though, how much can Fanat help there on top a tiny bit on the on the plateau, but in the end, I'm not sure he can do it that much. I don't expect UAE to control the stage, though. I feel like that's unlikely. I think the breakaway wins. Brent wins this stage. It won in, it won in 2016, the stage you mentioned, where Izagira yeah. beat Nibali and Jansen Pantano. Did Jansen Pantano get done? Yeah. He did. He, uh, he actually got back into racing... Oh, end of last year, start of this year after his doping ban. Did he? Oh, he won a stage in that tour, Look, dude. He he won stage fifteen, mountain high mountain stage. Won yep. the first one against Micah. Came second behind Zacharin on the Fino Emerson finish, and uh, came second on the Majev stage. But he actually was with the lead group over the top. He got dropped in the descent. Your boy was flying, and then he, he got was kind of like he got four like year that ban one year? in twenty nineteen. Yeah, true. <laughs> He, he was kind of like that one year where Juan Bargill was, was climbing with the GC I'm riders. not trying to put know. Bargill in that category. <laughs> I'm not... <laughs> I'm not I, I, I wasn't saying that about Bargill. 
<laughs> anyway, well, like, I agree. I agree that the break has a chance of winning because I don't expect UAE to control. And I kind of feel like Yumbo will will not spend all their bickies initially and will try and get a gap between the breakaway and the peloton as well to have a satellite right up front. So the combination of those two factors means that the break can have enough of a gap to win the stage. But and these are, these are hard climbs too. You need a big gap. They're back-to-back -back and they're technical yeah. descents too, which does help the breakaway. So Ramaz is steep. There's three Ks of there's four Ks of Ramaz over 8%. One says 13%. Not sure about that before it plateaus and levels off a bit. So it says 14 Ks, but really... The first 10Ks, what are they at? Over 8%, so they're hard. Yeah. Then Juplan, over 30 minutes. This is longer than Spandell. Juplan's a hard climb. There's three, four Ks at the end there that are really hard. Not high altitude. The descent to Morzine is very technical. Very, very technical. It was raining in 2016. I don't know the weather forecast. I think it's pretty hot. Uh, if, if I had to look, it was warm today, but not like... Disgusting tomorrow, it is 31 degrees in Morzine at uh, 1500 and it is isolated thunderstorms, scattered thunderstorms. So we could have a bit of rain on the road and yeah, Izagire like full gapped. He was with Pant Pantano and nearly full gapped them on the descent, like proper gap. And you you got to stop reminding me of that stage. It still you hurts reminded me, I watched fan. it last night. Really? Yeah, but as you said, there's actually a plateau at the end of Juplan. So... If you're dropped, I don't think that helps you that much. Maybe if you're yeah. Pagatra and you're not full cracking, you can come back. If you're Vingegaard and dropped, I think that's big advantage Pagatra, yeah. having that flatter section to take out the gap. I think Yambo got to go for it tomorrow, Benji, because I think the downside is lower. It is, sorry, is the, yeah, the downside risk is, is more tolerable because if Pagatra pleader domes Jonas tomorrow, mm -hmm. I believe Jonas will come back because I don't believe Pogaccia can keep a 20-second or 15-second gap on that descent. I believe Vingegaard's descending is better than Pogaccia. Yeah. I agree there. I also believe that you can indeed gain time if you're Vingegaard in that descent, but there's also, like you said, the factor that on top on the plateau section, you might lose another seconds to Pogaccia because yeah. the rider that drops on the climb for me will lose time on the plateau on top because... We're not talking about Remco Evenepoel versus Quintana here. Eh? If Quintana drops Remco Evenepoel or, or Dumoulin on that climb, then at the top, Quintana's losing time in the plateau section. Let's be honest about that. We're not talking about it. These riders are relatively okay, similar on yeah. flat sections. It's not a major difference. So the rider that drops on the climb will lose time on the plateau section. That's also partially why probably not a bad idea to have a defensive satellite rider in the breakaway that way. But it's only a limited amount of time and I feel like they might want that satellite rider on the climb at some point as well. So could go either way. But will Yumbo actively try to look to open up the race on Juplan? If they want to win the race, they, they kind of have to. How else are you going to win the tour? Exactly. It's here and called La Loss to try and do so. So Juplan is the place where if you want to win the tour, you need to try and take more time. And if you're not good enough and get countered by Pogacar, you're not winning the tour anyway. Pogacar doesn't need to do anything this tour anymore. He's so let's say the TT's equal. Yeah, I would say Pagacha, I'd give him a slight edge right now on the TT. Yeah. Let's say the TT's equal, though, if you're being conservative in your UAE. He could even lose 15 seconds, right? Yeah. He can bonus Jonas to death. There's stage 15. There's yep. the bonies on top of Col de Juplan. Uh, There's stage 20. There's 
Yeah, to be honest, that's about it. the rest of the bonus. So maybe he, he can take some bonus. <laughs> Charles Lee's there, my friend. <laughs> ah, maybe. Um, would you put it past him? So I would. <laughs> he's serious. I'll put it right now. If Jonas is only three seconds behind Pogaccia on Champs-Élysées... He's trying, but he won't get it. He's going to go for it. And Pogaccia should do the same thing. That stage is... If it didn't matter for GC, why would they have bonus seconds at the finish? Yeah. It's not That's for Fabio true. Jakobsen or the sprinters. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think Jumbo... Unless you want to put it all on Col de la Lowe's, yeah, but, but you really want to risk everything on one stage... And it's also important that they get eight bonus seconds on top of Juplan. So three seconds on the second spot. So let's say Pogacar drops. No, let's say Pogacar at sprints, Fingergaard here. That's another three seconds for Pogacar at the top. So if Fingergaard wants those bonus seconds, he needs to drop Pogacar by the time he reaches the top. Yep. Or, or say the break is caught and he also rolls over, takes yeah. four in Morzine. Yeah. So, you know, Pogacar is going to can bonus his way into the lead and he could take time in the TT. So yeah, unless you want to bet it all on lows. Um, and, yeah, yeah, but, if he, and if you can't drop him tomorrow then and Pagasha drops him then Pagasha is just better and that's yeah. the way it is I agree to be, to be clear likely the breakaway takes all these bonus seconds eh? but Jonas for, for the stage mm. I got Yoni Zagira again you two stage Yon wins Profit is taking again. three stage wins I see scattered thunderstorms I see the same stage I see his climbing legs He's going to have Guillaume Martin in the breakaway with him, creating all sorts of havoc. I like Yoni Zagiro back-to-back, baby. Okay. I believe Matthias Skjalmoza wins with that descent. Can't climb, though. He can climb, but not against the GC riders mm. at that level. Was he in the Chavito. breakaway when Zagiro won? I can't remember. Yeah, I think he, he got was. got dropped on like the second medium mountain climb, didn't Fuck, he? That, that's not good for my... From my yeah. thought process, here. he worked. He 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 worked really hard at the start of the stage, though. Yeah. Hmm. Alaphilippe will be in there. Godou's got to try and get in there. Pino's going to try and get in there. Um, I'd love to see Bernal and Martinez in the break. I'd love to see even Pidcock try and get in the break. He won't be able allowed in there. Um, who else we got? Mikel Lander. It's time, Mikel. Go in the breakaway, please. Uh, Chicone is going to be a yeah. top five contender for this stage. He can also descend with the best of them. I think so as well. Gull, I'm, I'm not risking with that descent. Descend, man, no chance. His, his ascending's not good enough. Get out or those kind of riders will be in there, but it wouldn't shock me if Bardez in the break and wins it from the break, to be honest, because he's got the descending, he's got the climbing. He just didn't look that good today, so I'm kind of wary to, to select him for that. Pino, Pino and Godou, do you expect them both in the break? Or I kind of feel like it's going to be Pino again. It'll be Pino, I think. Godou's going to just... Slowly, just keep losing time and Lander? Not looking good, bro. Yeah, yeah, Lander should get in. It's time for Lander to win a stage. Yeah, I think the Basques, Bill Bow might even try to get in. It's time for so yeah. The ba- I see wet descents. I see long mountain climbs. I go for Basque people, Frailer. Um, but his climbing's not good enough. So yeah, I go with his gear again. Sorry, but I don't believe that Pinot should be allowed in the breakaway. Why? I think Yumbo should control him for GC cars. I see. Maybe Ku should get in the break. How many? How much would Koos win this by if he was allowed in the break? He would torch it, dude, because he descends well. That's true. That's very true. Free anyway, him. we Come named on. loads of names. I avoided saying anyone for the stage because I've got absolutely no clue who will try. Everybody will try. That's the issue. Everybody will try. Yoni Zagiri is a, an amazing pick for this. 
Like, there's so many riders that could go in the break. Kwiatkowski could go in the break again, yeah. for example. Chikone is a likely candidate to to you strongly here. So, loads of contenders. Can't wait to see who wins. Me either. I wonder who will control the stage. Will UAE or Yumbo do it? Uh, how the stage plays out? It'll be really interesting. But yeah, I hope you have enjoyed the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow, Saturday, for what I think will be a pretty explosive stage. And we're going to see big GC gaps tomorrow. Today was just yeah. an appetizer, like Benji said yesterday. Tomorrow... There are going to be big gaps, big shakeups in GC across the whole of the top 10, I think. So GC Kuz can fly, I think. I think he moves into seventh or eighth tomorrow. Woohoo. Uh, Peacock's <laughs> looking good too, but I want to see how he goes under more fatigue. Um, yeah. And the fresh watts per kilo test that we've had, the two of them, he's looked excellent. Tomorrow's the fatigue. Let's see how he goes, but I'm excited. He's looking really, really good. Um, but yeah, hope you enjoyed the pod. We'll see you the recap tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 